This is Dropped Among This Crowd, a podcast that dives into the music and community of improvisational progressive rock bands on Freeza Geese. Each week will feature a rotating schedule of insightful full show recaps, interviews with fellow Umphreaks, members of Team UM, as well as other musicians who have been inspired by and or played with the band. This is your place for all the latest news and happenings within the world of Umphreaks, helping keep you informed on what's been recently released or where you can catch the next show. I'm your host, Sarah Jaginiak. Thanks for joining me as we dive in. Are you prepared for what comes next? Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for this week of Dropped Among This Crowd. I hope that you were able to check out last week's episode where I chatted all about when the band was able to play some music together at Chris's studio in Nashville, Tennessee on February 4th, 5th, and 6th. There is a link in the show notes if you'd like to give that a listen and you haven't. This week, I am very pleased to welcome artist James Flames to the show. This will actually be part one of our conversation. James and I talked about so many really great topics, so I decided to break it up into two episodes. In case you don't know James, he is a poster artist that has created a ton of art for a bunch of musicians and bands, but most recently created the Until We Meet Again print for Umphreys McGee. That is still available on the band's website, and I'll link that in the show notes. That print was also made into a puzzle, a shirt, a hoodie, and a pin. James and I talk a little bit more about that in part two of our conversation. James has also created other art for Umphreys, the 2018 St. Augustine Show, 2019 in Louisville, Kentucky. That one I actually have hanging on my living room wall. Umble 7 in 2016, New Year's Eve 2013, just to name a few. In this first part, James talks about his family and where he's from, what artists influence him, and what kind of art is hanging in his home. James and I also talk about overcoming the fear and negative self-talk that comes with taking a different path and becoming an artist as your job in corporate America, and how he fell into making concert posters. James also shares who was the first big band he made a poster for and takes us along the whole process of making a print from being commissioned by a band to it being available at the merch table at a show. Thank you, James, for your time. It was such a pleasure to sit down and talk and learn more about you, your art, the process that you create your art, and so, so much more. Such a really great conversation, and I'm really excited for everyone to listen. There's also video of my chat with James on the show's YouTube page if you'd like to check that out. There is also a link in the show notes for that. Do you have a small business that makes shirts, pins, jewelry, stickers, prints, or sells other interesting products or art that you think peeps would love to get their hands on? Is your band looking to get some attention from fellow music-loving umfreaks? Maybe you provide an awesome service that could make folks' lives better or easier and want some like-minded clientele? Or perhaps you're looking to hire some cool people to work with. 
Let Dropped Among This Crowd and Conduit E-Magazine help you get the word out. With ad space in monthly issues of Conduit, commercial spots on the podcast, ticket giveaways, social media plugs, product reviews, guest spots on the show, and more, Dropped Among This Crowd and Conduit can help you reach tons of fellow umpreaks, musicians, and other kind folks looking to purchase from you, work with you, and support their fellow umps family. Email droppedamongthiscrowdpod at gmail.com or conduitemagazine at gmail.com if you're interested in chatting more about the amazing packages we offer. Here is part one of my conversation with artist James Flames. I would love to first uh, know a little bit more about you, like where are you from? Uh, where's your family from? Where are you currently living? Stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Um, I am originally from Brooklyn, uh, born and raised. Um, anybody who's from Brooklyn, I grew up in Midwood, uh, and then we moved to Bay Ridge, which is kind of near the uh, Verrazano Bridge. And a uh, real city boy, uh, big Italian family. Um, I'm the oldest of five kids. Uh, and everybody in my family is creative in some way. So uh, most of us draw. My mom was a painter. Um, my dad's a musician. My grandfather was a painter. My uncle's a painter. Um, just kind of that thing where it was inescapable growing up like everything was just art so every time we go to somebody's house uh in the family like even a friend or somebody related there was always the walls just always had paintings of somebody else in my family that did it so we go to a museum to see famous people's artwork and then we go to everybody else's house just to see the artwork made by everybody else and what's interesting um about all of that like, as I say that, you would think, oh, wow, like all my, my family were all artists and they were artists in the sense that that's uh, a skill that they had and something that they did, but like none of them were professionally an artist. Everybody had like a real life, you know? So yeah. my grandfather was a butcher, my mother was a teacher, my father's a professor, um, 
you know, my uncle worked in corporate America, you know, so to me, like I had this growing up for me, art was, um, it was inescapable. And I think maybe genetic, I don't know how, you know, nobody knows how that works, but, you know, uh, at least it was in my face all the time and rubbed off on me and my brothers and my sister. But um, so at the same time, it's, it's inevitable, it's, it's inescapable, but it was always in the context as art is the thing you do with the rest of your life. And then there's the thing you do to make a living or, you know, all, all the normal, normal things. And that was kind of interesting because I didn't, uh, so I, I didn't pursue art as like a career or anything ever. I didn't even, um, I, this, hide your kids ears, but um, I didn't graduate high school. I dropped out of high school. I never went to college. Um, I'm not like in that whole thing there. And even if I was going to go to college, it's not like I was going to go to college for art. I never had some kind of idea like, oh, I'm going to be an artist when I grow up. I was going to be an artist when I grow up after the hours of whatever right. it is that I do, you know? Yeah. So um, it kind of got to a point I was uh, in my mid late twenties and one of my younger brothers, uh, one of the youngest, he was the first one to actually go to art school. Like he went to the school of visual arts in Manhattan and um, and then he, his whole thing was like, he was going to pursue a career in art and like he was the first one out of all of us to do that. And it was, it was a weird thing. And he would come, come back, he'd come over my house and like, tell me all the things he's learning. And um, it just started to rub off of me. Like, oh, like my little brother's gonna do this and I like to do it. Why don't I pursue this? So, um, so that was like the first time it, it actually hit me that maybe this is a possibility. And then the, the equal, uh, uh, realization that the other time was I live in Brooklyn, New York City, um, which even today uh, is the, one of the most expensive places in the world to live. And oh, I'm going to pursue a career as an artist. Like I'm, I'll starve to death or I'll die. Like, you know, this isn't going to work. You know, there's no, there's no. So uh, it kind of both these things happened at the same time where I decided to leave the city. And I think it was about time that I um, kind of just ran out of the city boy part of me. I don't know yeah. what it was, but um, I'd done a lot of traveling around the world and around the country. And it just, um, I wanted a different life. So uh, I moved down to uh, North Carolina um, in the mountains. So near Asheville, um, I'm about a half hour south of Asheville, uh, okay. so right in the mountains. and. Um, you know, the idea there was like, well, first off, any place is cheaper than New York, with few exceptions. And even people here are like, oh my God, it's so expensive to live here. I'm like, you have no idea. You know? <laughs> but um, so it was basically like, I could take more chances. I could come down here and I can pursue this. And if I fall on my face, I'm not gonna die. Like, you know, I, I, can, I can muddle my way through and maybe even, stick out a little more there's less people here there's less stuff going on like in new york you know i'd have to like 
even if I stood in the middle of Times Square naked, people would just pass by. Like nobody pays attention. It would be like, oh, it's Tuesday. No big deal. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, there's that guy, there's the naked cowboy who used to sing. And, <laughs> For and, sure. You know, and everybody, you know, after a while, everybody's just like, yeah, all right, there's that guy. Whatever. This guy again. <laughs> you know, but if I did that around here, I'd be like, you know, front page right. news. It'd be crazy. So, you know, I, not that that's something I'm going to do, but. <laughs> that's not your medium. <laughs> no, no, I'm not a performance artist, no. So, um, so yeah, so that, that was basically uh, in 2007 um, is when I moved uh, down here. And, uh, you know, slow building and all that kind of stuff. But really, like I said, it, it wasn't until I was 29 years old where I was like, oh, maybe I'll start to pursue kind of some kind of artistic life. And it took many years for it to still eventually look like it's heading in the right direction, you know, um, and then a few more years that it started to solidify and then um, more years until now where it's like, okay, obviously this is the thing I was meant to do. Um, so glad I did it. And, you know, it was worth all the sacrifice and it wasn't easy and all that kind of stuff, but it, it was so much better than if I had tried it up there or if I had just never done it at all. Um, you know, I had a bunch of corporate jobs and all that kind of stuff. And I, I mean, I don't even know the person I would be if I was still kind of pursuing that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, so that's, um, I guess that's the basic story in terms of, you know, uh, my living situations and, you know, family and, and upbringing and all that kind of stuff. So. That's awesome. So what, how did living in Brooklyn positively affect your art? I mean, you were so inspired by your family, but how did being in Brooklyn, you know, in the eighties and nineties, how did that inspire your art? Big time. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, when I moved down here, um, at first I was really more inspired by here because everything was so different, you know? So it's sort of like, I don't know, I guess it was a phase that I was in where, you know, I was kind of adjusting my persona, you know, so mm -hmm. I was sort of trying to shed the city boy part of me, you know, yeah. um, and exploring this new thing. And then it wasn't until later that I really did see the aspects of that city life, you know, that, um, that affected me. And it's not the, um, um the traditional like uh city things like um uh you know riding the subway or you know big skyscrapers and stuff like that like my art doesn't have that kind of more claustrophobic vibe to it but right. there's what you said kind of really hit on it exactly was it was just a vibe in the 80s and 90s and Look, I don't know, maybe the vibe was similar in Kansas or Missouri or something like that, but I wasn't there. So I can only say that the vibe for me, that Brooklyn vibe, and I wasn't in hip Brooklyn, I wasn't in cool Brooklyn. So people who like see Brooklyn on TV, like that's not where I lived. I lived in the part where <laughs> nobody even goes to because it's so far out of the way and all that. And that, there's something about it. There's some, some what it basically boils down to is, um, sentimentality and nostalgia that um i can't escape like as i don't try but if i tried i, I would fail uh, miserably so um there's a big part of that like there was just something something in the air and i and i feel like this probably 
transcends places. You know, I know many people have this a similar experience who didn't live there, but um, yeah, that's really uh, something that draws for me and, um, uh, you know, inspires me still that I can now combine into the other things that kind of surround me. You know, I look out my window and there's mountains and, you know, I just drive anywhere and there's mountains and trees and stuff like that. So it's, it's a very interesting kind of juxtaposition that, um, I don't know. I, it just, now, it, now it just flows very naturally. It's like, okay, all these little things, they just kind of come through and filter through. And the less I think about it, the better. The less I try and like analyze it, be like, okay, this little thing came from this thing and that. Um, now nah, it's better when it's just kind of like. Oh, it just, it just flows. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. awesome that you have the two sides of it. You know, you have the, the time where you were in the city and that whole experience. And now you have the other side of the coin, I guess you could say yeah, is, yeah. is a totally different lifestyle. So it's really great that you have both of those things to draw from. Yeah, and I think also the, um, I mean, I'm sure it would be equally interesting if it was the other way around, but um, but for me, I, I like the fact that my young, wild, you know, carefree stuff was in the city. Like, I can only think of the city like that. Like, you just can go anywhere and do anything and, you know, you could be faceless in a huge crowd or you could um, just do crazy weird things and uh i don't know the city's kind of meant for that you know kind of thing it's very accepting and, uh, of it yeah really yeah. really and encourages almost it almost yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah almost in a bad way but <laughs> a little bit sometimes <laughs> yeah but it's better i got that out of my system than in the city um and then i can come here and kind of chill out like you know okay yeah no 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 everything's more calm now and slower yeah 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 I, I like that i resisted it for a long time when i first moved here um i told everybody that um that i could and i i said this as often as i could to hold me accountable to it to hold myself accountable to it but when i moved i said no matter what happens no matter how much i hate it no matter how much anything bad happens, I can't leave for two years um, because I know myself very well and I know that um, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss all the things that I know and I need to like burn that out of my system and it's probably gonna take me two years. And it took like about a year and a half. Like every day I'd just wake up and I'd be like, why can't it be more like blah, blah, blah? Why can't stores just be open 24 hours, you know? Or why can't this place just be more convenient or this? And it's like, yeah, I just needed to, to burn that out of my system. And it really, it, it, calmed me, it calmed me down like big time, which was awesome. So, and plays into my artwork too. Um, I think if I pursued art when I was younger, my voice would be very different. Like it would be different. different. Yeah, of course it would be because you were you were a different person. You were in a different place in your life. So your art probably, would definitely be different. Yeah, probably like more aggressive or uh, subversive. I don't know, but- uh, Probably more industrial too, yeah, because yeah, of where probably. you were. Yeah, yeah it, that yeah, would have more yeah. of the feel to it. Just yeah. surrounded by it. Like, you know, again, you just reflect what your, you know, artists are basically mirrors and um, that's what I would have been, so yeah. yeah. So what artists uh, inspired you even when you were younger or when you started to get into making prints? So yeah, what other inspired uh, you? I mean, like I said, you know, uh, when I was a kid, art was just 
it was an everyday thing. We just drew all day. So the obvious, you know, Disney, obviously, uh, we just had Disney books all over the house and would just draw uh, everything that was in those. Um, you know, and all the cartoons of the day, Thundercats and He-Man and all that kind of stuff. I loved all that stuff. Um, and, but also again, all the stuff that I saw my family doing was just as, as inspirational and, you know, like and influencing, like I would try and draw. It's funny, you know, I look back on it now and I didn't even realize this for many, many years. I only just realized this recently that my style is um, not, not, uh, not in a technique kind of way, but in a um, subject matter, like conceptually is very similar to my mother's, which is kind of ridiculous. And I, I didn't even notice just one of these things that I kind of picked up, but then I think about it. I'm like, yeah, of course we, we were surrounded by these images all day. What else? That's how I learned how to think, or that's how I learned how to see things. So, um, so even that kind of stuff was hugely influential. Um, but then as I got older, um, you know, in the nineties, uh, I played in bands, you know, in Manhattan and stuff like that. So I was always, and I was always the artist in the band. So, um, I'd make all the flyers and stuff like that. And, you know, at that time, uh, Kozik was obviously the guy. So, you know, I'd see the Nirvana posters and the mud honey posters and all that kind of stuff. And so I wanted to make our flyers look like that. So I would draw kind of in that style. Um, and that was fun too, because it didn't, there were no consequences to it. It's not like we were trying to sell anything. It was literally to make as many photocopies and then go to every telephone pole in Manhattan and just paste them on there. And that was the good the, old days, the good old days. I mean, really like it's good. I, I'm so glad that I had that experience too, because, you know, I still, I still hold that. Like when I'm still making new work, the original point of a poster is to advertise the show, you know, like I, I understand that it's merchandise now and I understand that it has a life. It's it, some people consider it like an investment and, you know, so I'm going to buy it now and then it'll gain value and then I can use it later for this thing and that thing. And, um, and that's great. It's cool. You know, um, but I think, um, remembering the original intention of what this thing is supposed to be kind of enhances the eventual outcome. So even if it is an investment, it'll be a better investment because, um, I don't know, I, I think because I made it sort of, again, to just advertise the show. And I still think about that today. Um, like, I know I'm not going to put this much work into it and this much money into screen printing it and all that just to duct tape it around a telephone pole okay right. but if i did would it be effective if somebody was walking down the street and they were looking at this and they saw it would they stop and then be like oh like yo that that might be a fun show to go to because that's what we used to do i mean i i don't know if if you yeah. had the same experience but just walking down the street and you know a lot of shows i went to a lot of albums I bought was because the art, art, the album cover looked awesome, right? Yeah. You know, like I don't know what I don't know what's in it, but it looks cool. And the same thing for shows. Like, if I see enough flyers for a band and they all look dope, like I'm like, oh, I mean, maybe they do. Let's go. Yeah, right. I mean, what is it? Five dollars to go to a to to a show? Like, it's no big deal. We're gonna go out anyway. Let's go. And so, that's still like a thought that I've kind of put into. Um, 
into the new things I make, knowing that it's not going to serve that purpose. I understand people already bought tickets to the show. It's, we're not trying to get, you know, drum up yeah. business, but um, yeah. And then uh, later on, you know, my, I guess my favorite artist is James Jean. Um, he's been a huge influence on me and um, just seeing his progress uh, really inspires me to remember like, it doesn't matter like how long you've been doing something, you can still get better. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can still look at your old stuff. Like it's funny. Um, I'm I'm very capable of looking at my old work and being like, that's horrible. Like it's really bad. Like it could be even something I made last year, and I'm like, I could I could run circles around that now. And but fine, you know, what am I gonna do? I can't erase the past or anything. And and it, it's a progression but I remember kind of um again James Jean I, I I love his work so much and it's very inspiring and sometimes what I like to do is try and look at his artwork through his eyes I, I know I can't I know I can't be him or read his mind or anything like that but just as a as a mental exercise and like look at something he made new and then imagine, okay, what's the what's the person who made this? And now how is he looking at his old work? And then I would just go look at some of his old work and see. I could I could imagine what he's seeing in the old stuff. And even though I love the old stuff, or that old stuff was some of the stuff that really inspired me and made me, you know, uh, a better artist, now I can look at it and be like, yeah, I see the shortcomings of that, you know, uh, and I see where the progress was. And it's like, but if you had asked me back then, I'd say, no, this is the pinnacle. Like this, this is, he hit the top already. Like, I mean, everything's gravy after here. And it's like, no, it's not like you could, you could always just get better. And it's the same with musicians, you know, I mean, any kind of creative endeavor is the same thing. Um, and I think obviously the best musicians are the ones who last so long that they can just keep doing that over and over and, and um, take the chances um, and probably fail sometimes too. But, you know, they, then you, you still get to, you find those little things, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, you, sometimes you're in the dark and you're just looking for the next rung on the ladder and you're going to miss a few times, but one time you grab it. One like, time you grab it. Yeah, I, at least I get up a little, a few more inches and then, you know, we'll do this again later, you know. For uh, sure. But failing yeah. is part of it too. It, it's part yeah. of the whole process It's and you have to start somewhere. And I think that that's part of it is accepting that there's going to be failures and not feeling super defeated by that. That's a hard thing. It's, it's such a truth, but it's such, a, it's such an, um, it's so much easier to say than to live through it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, because uh, on my best days, I can say that exactly how you said it with full confidence and be like, it's all part of the process. And, um, and I believe that, and that's the truth. But sometimes when you're in the middle of it, um, yeah, it's, it's not easy. You, cause yeah. It's, um, you know, it's like in the world that we're in now, just the, the particular way that culture and society is set up is like, it's still a fringe thing to do, to, to be creative as like your, your, um, your way that you earn a living and stuff like that. 
And there are way more secure things that you could do. You could mm -hmm. get a job where you know you're going to have a paycheck and, and all that stuff. And of course, there's always a fear like you might get fired, the company might go under or something might happen or who knows, you know, fine. But there's so much more security. And, um, and I lived that life for many years and um, there are big benefits to it for sure. Yeah. And so sometimes when it gets to that like rough part, you know, there's the other part of me is like, if this all falls apart, there's nothing to fall back on. Like I got to start from scratch and it's a really scary thought. So, it, you know, again, it's like, it's, it's an important thing to say and it's an important thing to think and, and, and hear more people, you know, say it and stuff like that. But man, going through it sometimes is, um, oh, yeah. scary. It's super scary. <laughs> when you're right in the thick of it, it's up to your neck and you're just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is this it like is this it did i uh, did i run out of like uh goodwill or something i don't yeah. know yeah i ran out of good ideas i'm done yeah oh my god <laughs> yeah. so what kind of art is hanging up in your house um it's a great question um so mostly james jean uh, right. uh oh there's my camera behind me so that's a james jean piece behind me there i was um, eyeing that up for sure yeah, so um, yeah, there's a lot. Of, so basically I have, let's see, uh, James Jean, my uncle, who's one of my favorite um, artists in the world. Nobody knows who he is, he's just my uncle, but um, you know, uh, his paintings are all over my house. Um, cool. And uh, let me, I'm just walking in my mind and walking downstairs. <laughs> there's another, um, there's another, screen print artist who's not he's not in the rock poster scene or anything like that um his name is edward bordet uh and he is just he's unbelievable um he basically like he's a painter but he paints with screen printing so uh he he kind of builds the screen print like you would build a painting so like when i when i screen print um, everything's done. Like I know what the artwork's supposed to look like at the end. And I just go through the steps. I made the artwork. Now I just have to print it, you know, uh, using the process of screen printing. What he does is he screen prints as if like each screen is a layer of brush strokes, And then he just builds it up like that. And okay. when it's done, it's just like stunning. It's unbelievable. And they're, um, the ones I have are some of his city scenes, which I think are just kind of uh, memories from home and stuff like that. So um, those are beautiful. And and that's basically it, like that's kind of what I try to, um, I guess, oh, behind me this way, that's, um, um, shoot, Phil, uh, Phil Roberts. Oh no, this is very embarrassing, sorry. <laughs> this is a, a woodcover artist that, uh, is another big inspiration to me just um oh shoot sorry no you're fine yeah um but yeah he's in jersey uh shoot. let me see yeah philip roberts um he's um uh kind of a wood carving artist and uh he makes these incredible like 3d wood carving things so i've got yeah that's an incredible piece it looks very cool oh man like so i just like I just stare over there. So my guitars are back there. So like if I'm playing or something, I'm just like looking at that and whatever 
the other side of my brain that's not working at the time is like locked into that and just falling into it. And that's, it's yeah. pretty amazing. So, um, yeah, so that's, I mean, uh, it's a big thing for me to surround myself with the things that I um, am inspired by. So no matter which room I go into, which is no different than anybody else's house. But um, for me also, um, it's another kind of reminder. So when I'm, again, when I'm working, when I'm making something new, I'm always thinking like, what my goal is, is to make something that somebody's going to hang in their home the same way that I hang another artist's work in my house. And why, like, why am I doing that? You know, like, why am I hanging up James Jean? I mean, one, I like it. So for me, it inspires me, but I'm an artist. So um, that has almost like a function in my life. Whereas like my wife has art in the house too, and she's not an artist. So why why is she looking at it? like why does she want to have that hung up and I think we kind of forget like to even ask that question like what are we doing like it's and what I think it is um is that um well there's something about the art there's something in the art that's kind of connecting to us on a, on a very ethereal level like it's it's not anything you can pinpoint or look at or you know um anything like that and what it does is it it reminds us of parts of us that are inside of us, and um, and then so that that's important. And it might also remind us of like uh, emotions or memories or something. It might just have an association, especially like a concert poster, which is um, you know one of the most important parts of concert posters to me is that the whole idea is that this is supposed to remind you of the experience you had at the show mm-hmm. um, so you never forget it and you know so now the image and that experience are s- together they're locked in so when you see it you remember that feeling and that's every artwork like all the artwork i have in my house it reminds me of something there's something some kind of feeling that's with it and then there's another aspect to it which is um you know when somebody comes over our home they see the artwork and they can know me better by seeing the artwork. So like they, whether they know James Jean or not, let's just say they, they, they come into this room and there's a James Jean on the wall. Um, whatever, they're going to look at it and have a, a feeling like anybody does when you look at art and they're going to project that now onto me. So if I had like, um, you know, if I had something that wasn't me on the wall, it would give them such a, a wrong Im- uh, impression of who I am. But if it's the right thing, you know, if it's the thing that I can connect with, it's sort of like, well, if they're close friends or close relatives, they'll know me in a deeper way. And if they're a stranger and they're just kind of over, you know, hanging out or something like that, um, well, now that it's another way for them to get to know me. It's, it's another way for them to be like, oh, I get it. Like I, I, I can understand this person a little better on on a very like abstract level, which is so important. Like you know, everything can't be like so concrete and objective. Like you know, there has mm-hmm. to be room for all that subjectivity. And um, so yeah, so that that's kind of like the purpose of why why I ha- I think about you know having these things on my walls, but. For me, then I use that to like play into when I'm making stuff. So when I'm sitting down to sketch, 
like I was today, I was just working on sketches for a new project and trying to come up with my ideas. So there's many avenues that I go down, you know, uh, in terms of like, okay, how am I going to come up with this concept? How am I going to figure this out? I'm feeling these things out. And one of the things is even in the the roughest doodle, I mean, just a doodle, like if I showed it to you, you wouldn't even understand it because it's just squiggles. But you, like, I, I know what's supposed to be there. I'll develop it later. I'm just getting, putting information down. It's fine. But even in that, I can look at it and kind of imagine what that looks like on somebody's wall and how they're going to feel when they pass by it, how somebody else is going to feel if they come over the house and see it. And like, what's, what's the meaning that's going to be inside of it? it? It has to be more than just, just a cool thing you put on the wall, you know, or something like that. Like it, it ha there has to be more to it. Um, and because of that, it's not for everybody, you know, like the kind of art I make isn't for everybody's type of personality. It's not going to represent everybody, um, but that's fine. And, and I, that's why I, I'm so lucky that the, the avenue of artwork that I got into was concert posters because um, because if I'm making something for Humphreys McGee, we're already on the same level. Like, okay, like uh, I'm preaching to the choir already, but like I, I, we're cool. Okay, so now let me make something awesome for you. I'm not trying to make something that's like, um, I don't know, a Kenny Rogers poster for Humphreys McGee. It's like, yeah, there might be some crossover in the Venn diagram. That's fine. But it, it's, uh, it's beautiful that like the type of art that I make is already kind of focused into the type of person, the personality. And yeah. I can just kind of go with that, which is great because now I, you know, I'm already starting up off up here and then I can just kind of like really take it. It's, it's, uh, it's awesome. For sure. For sure. So being a musician and already doing art for bands that you were playing in, is that why you got into concert posters or was there another reason that you went that avenue? Um, let me think about that. Like, I, it's weird. Like, I don't know that I made like a deliberate choice. Um, I wanted to pursue art. Uh, so like I said, you know, my brother went to SVA and um, and he was showing me things and he was going for a completely different um, avenue of, of art and um, and so I just I was like well I gotta I gotta pursue this but like what do I know how to do and um, and who do I know like you know all my friends were musicians so it really was just uh, like kind of a peanut butter and jelly type of thing like I just um, fell into it. Now, I, you know, I don't know if you're familiar. Do you remember gigposters.com? Yes. Uh, so um, I was like hip to that very early on. Um, and I would always just look at the posters because it was awesome artwork. And I wasn't even necessarily like following particular artists or really getting too into the, um, the geekdom of it. You know, that was much later that I kind of really was like oh this guy okay and then this this thing okay this style all that okay more it was just like it's a website i go to every once in a while and just look at all the cool art and you know um and so i think that was in my brain and then i was also like well I'm, i made this picture like I, I i drew this illustration what am i gonna do with it like oh like my buddy's got a show 
I'll just put I'll put his band name on it and like we'll make photocopies and you know use it as a flyer you know um, and I think it just kind of kept going in that direction it's it's a hard thing to say like I, I don't think I set out to do it until it became so obvious that like oh this is what you're doing so just do that and then I was like oh yeah yeah right okay well then I'll just follow this all these people are doing it on gigposters.com I'll just be one of them and again even with that I, I never considered like any of those people oh they make a living doing this like you know I was just like oh yeah this is something they do on the side just just like everybody else who makes art and then um lo and behold uh, you're like oh wait a minute yeah <laughs> no, I, I could actually do this look at and you know look at me now you know so um yeah I, I don't have a, I don't have like the eureka moment for, for something like that. I think it really was just. And it happened. Yeah. And then it, it made sense. It, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it clearly made sense. Like, yeah. it's just that, um, I don't know. It just came to be, you know, that's kind of how it was with, with me and my show too. It was just like, I never went to school for radio or did any of those things. And it just kind of came together and then now I'm doing it and it's like yeah this is what well, I do <laughs> training uh, I might piss off a lot of people saying this training for creative endeavors I think is highly overrated <laughs> um because uh I mean there's a place for it and all that I'm, I'm not like poo-pooing it completely but exactly like what you just said is like yeah I understand you know if you if you had to be a broadcaster uh 30 years ago well good luck you know you kind of got to follow the rules you got to go th through the thing and all that kind of stuff but it's a different world right now and look at like yeah look at what you can do you know and and it found you and you found it and it, it works it's like you put all the pieces together i like this thing i like this thing i'm good at this thing and i'm pretty good at this thing and i want to learn about this thing just put yeah. it all together and you got a podcast, you got a post artist, you got, you know, this guy doing this thing or this uh, wood carver over here or something like that. Like, it's just, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's amazing. So. Awesome. So what is the, who's the first band that you made a poster for like a professional big, big time band, I guess you could say. <laughs> yes. um, the first one was, okay. So there's, there's two, um, uh, and, and they both happened kind of for here. So before I moved here, um, I knew I was going to move here. Like I kind of knew I was going to leave New York for about a year. Um, and it was just like saving money and planning and all that kind of stuff. Um, so what I did was the summer before I moved here, I kind of just reached out to uh, all the clubs that were down here. Um, and just kind of introduce myself and be like, hey, I just, you know, I make flyers and stuff like that. And, you know, um, if you need anything to promote any of your shows, just let me know. I'd be glad to just like send you some stuff. And, you know, people get emails like that all the time. I don't even think I heard it back from anybody. Um, so then I was just like, I'm just gonna make some stuff. So um, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings were playing a show at the Gray Eagle uh, down here. It's a club in Asheville. And it's a really awesome place. It's like small. It feels like like a little barn inside, sort of. The vibe there is so great. There's a, a great show there is great, great. 
and I had never even been there, you know, but I just was going through all the listings and stuff. And I was like, I love Sharon Jones. Um, I'm going to live there. I'm just going to make something. So I just, I literally made, you know, it was just black and white drawing 11 by 17, I guess was the size I was working in. And um, I think I even, I don't remember if I sent them a file. I, I might've literally just made a stack of photocopies also and just mailed it to them like cold and just was like, here, like use them for the show. If you want to promote them around town, uh, stuff like that. You don't know me and I don't know you, but like here, here's a gift, you know? And um, turns out that um, the guys at the, at the club really dug it and they showed um, the manager of, of uh, Sharon Jones and he really liked it. And he wound up hiring me a few years later for a few other gigs for Sharon Jones and a, a few other bands that he was managing. And I was like, you know, that was, that wasn't even my intention. It was more just to like introduce myself, like here, you know, Hey, you know, I don't know you and you don't know me, but I'll give you a little gift and, you know, maybe we can be friends later on kind of thing. Yeah. And what's funny now is uh, the guy who ran the club back then is still a really good buddy of mine. Um, he runs the fantasy baseball league that I, uh, that I'm in. So we're like, you're always talking about baseball and stuff like that. And it's just weird, like how that, happened so that wasn't like a paid gig that wasn't anything professional nobody even asked me to do it um and you know it's not like i ever reproduced them or turned them into anything um but then uh the first real one was for the band the walkman uh and they were also playing at the gray eagle um and this is after i'd moved here and uh this one was more just like i contacted the band so uh, same thing you know i'm nobody like in the beginning I'm, nobody knows who i am they have no reason to trust me they have no reason to like fine you could see some of the drawings i've made but like what, what does that mean to anybody you know how many emails a day are they going to get so um so really it was just a bunch of just cold emailing every band that's coming to Asheville and just be like hey like if you want or need a poster i can make it for you you know um and then you could sell them at the show and blah, blah, blah. You know, my rates are like almost nothing and we could just split sales or something like that. And I'll help you sell them at the show. If you're, you know, most of the bands, obviously I'm not contacting Pearl Jam or something like that. It's going to be, it was all the just, the bands that I know that just rent a van and are just driving around the country for, you know, six weeks and, you know, probably not showering every day and living, you know, on a very small budget because, I had a lot of friends who did the same thing and you know so I know that lifestyle and I was like well okay we're at least somewhat on the on a similar level so like you know I'll help you out and because you probably don't have that much merch for your show so you can make a few extra bucks and I can you know make something and they were one of the first bands that ever like even just replied and said um yeah like that would be awesome and they had no reason to even say that. They had no reason to even believe me or like know that I could do anything or whatever. And, um, but it worked out, it was great. And uh, I could still picture the poster in my head. It was like a, it was a deer with, um, with red eyes and then his, uh, his antlers spelled out the word Walkman. And um, cool. yeah, and it was like just a two color screen print. I was still learning how to screen print um, and it was a mess. I mean, it was just like, I didn't, you know, I was kind of knew what I was doing, but hardly. And 
but I brought them to the show and they were amazing on stage, obviously. And um, so I was basically the one of the merch jockeys for the day and just kind of like selling the posters and the t-shirts and all that kind of stuff. And, and that kind of just started it. Okay, now when I go to the next band, I can say, oh, and here's like something that I made, you know? And then, okay, now I got two. Okay, now we get to the third. Now we get to the fourth. You always peppered in with a few friends that I know, you know, like, uh, oh, their band. Okay, I'll help you out. And like, now I have another piece for the portfolio, you know, and so on and so forth. But that one for the Walkman, that was like the first real one. And then when the show was done, I was able to put it on gigposters.com, like to cool. post it on there and have all the real poster artists like see my work. I don't know that anybody even saw it, but you know, just the idea like, oh my yeah. God post something and yeah um, and then even i think i sold a few online too because they had like a marketplace on that gigposters.com where you could sell posters through there and um yeah so it was that first taste of like okay i i i see how this goes it's going to be a long haul and and it was um it was that was in 2007 yeah that was in 2007 so wow long time it's yeah. been a little bit of a journey. That's awesome, though. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so why don't you take us along from like when a band contacts you to do yeah. a poster? And so take us along the whole process. So they contact you and so then how much time do you generally have, have to work on something and then the whole process the show. of like making it and getting it Boy, to the band. <laughs> that yeah, was a lot, uh, but it was question. so good um, to be able to talk about live music uh, again. So, so good. It I'm felt so good lucky. to talk about live um, music again. Yeah. There is most, a whole bunch of links in the, the show notes for anything that I may have um, referenced throughout so, um, this episode. Also, where you can give a listen like to these shows on Nugs and where you can check out the videos that I, I mentioned that as well. Great. Also, where you can binge um, on a ton so of great past episodes, and, um, book your own conversation, instance, and be a guest on the show. Subscribe to the show's YouTube page where you can snag some official merch from the Dropped Release Crowd they store had, where you can find this one, all of the subscription information uh, you know, for Conduit Magazine and a to whole bunch more. So make sure you check all of that out. Shows, Thank so, you, you know, like so much for joining me. Kind of strange, I'll see you around so these parts like, next week. Let's make something that we could still stay connected. Mad love. And, um, and very rarely do clients kind of give me a prompt. Most of the time they're just like, we know what you do, like do the thing you do, just make one for us kind of thing, which is another amazing thing. Like, you know, there's rarely direction. I get to kind of do what I, what I feel and what I want. And most That's of awesome. the, you know, there's, you know, there's every once in a while there's a revision needed or something, or something's out of context or I need to clear it up or something. And that's, that's totally fine. But on the whole, I get to just draw what I want, which is amazing, but it works best for everybody because if I can draw what I really like feel, it's going to be the most real. It's going to be the most, it's going to be the thing that connects the most. So in this case, um, uh, it was Rachel and she, she contacted me and just said, um, you know, we want, the only idea we have is until we meet again. Um, that was like this what's the thing that could tide us over? And as soon as she said that, I kind of had this feeling I knew what I needed to do um, conceptually. So um, let's say it's for a show. 
they'll tell me when the show is, you know, obviously I need, okay, that's the the dead, dead, dead line, you know, obviously right. if it's not there for the show, I blew it, you know, and luckily yeah. it never happened. So uh, good, good for me, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, uh, okay, first thing, and then what I do, the first thing I always do is scheduling. So um, I'm going to figure out what, what kind of timeline do I have? Most of the time, it, it's best for me if somebody contacts me four months in advance is usually good. If it's a month in advance, it might not be able to happen. It really depends on what else is going on. Uh, if it's two months in advance, you know, it depends. If it's the middle of summer touring season, uh, I don't know. You know, it, it depends. You know? I can't. I can't stack too many things because if I do, the art suffers. I can't. You know, I can only make so much stuff. Yeah. Um, and obviously the money would be better if I could take everything, but, uh, then what's you're not a machine. You have no. to be able to create in the way you can create. Yeah. And if I just put out a bunch of crap, like, you know, because I had to like take everything, then I won't get anything later on. So what's right. the point, you know, it's, it's fine. So, uh, so then I just kind of work backwards. Okay. So, um, show date. Okay. What's the date? Um, usually say three days to a week before that the posters need to arrive to the band, you know, so that they have them either wherever they are or at the show or at the venue or something like that. So, okay, now shipping, how long before that do I have to ship them to get them there? Okay, how long before that is gonna take me to print them? Usually that's like a two week window. And then how long from there for me to make the artwork? That's another two to four weeks, you know? So I'm, I'm basically just working backwards until I get to the point of where I am. And um, so it could be, look, the whole turnaround could be like three weeks, um, but that's, that almost never happens. You know, the whole turnaround is usually a month and a half, you know, uh, all, all told. Um, it doesn't mean I'm working on it every day for a month and a half, obviously, but um, that's, that's a pretty, pretty good way. So if somebody contacts me four months before I can, okay, good. I could schedule it out for this time and, you know, kind of have that going. Um, so then the first thing I do is I, I doodle. Um, I have, uh, I don't know if I could just like, so there's like a page of oh, just, wow. you know, so it's just like little, you know, just ideas, you know, just the first things that come to my head, I'll put on some music, I'll read some lyrics. Um, I'll just look at things that inspire me and ideas just kind of happen. Sometimes I just move my hand, you know, and just make marks. And then I see something and I'm like, oh, okay, okay. And then start to flesh it out. And a lot of it is, you know, moving my body. Um, more I can move my body while I'm drawing, the more the artwork feels like something, you know, if I'm just like kind of doing too much like this, it feels too uh, stiff, you know. So, um, so I'm just exploring and I'll spend a few days doing that, just filling that page or filling multiple pages of them, erasing, put them more. And then just looking at them, um, big part of my process is starting something and then letting it sit sleeping, you know, go, going to sleep at night, waking up in the morning, looking at it again. And just what's, when I look at it again now, I kind of forgot what was there. So now I'm going to see it again, like with the freshest eyes. And what's my first instinct? What's the thing that grabs me the most? Or what's the thing that sticks out that's wrong the most? 
and that's how I can iterate um, most of the time. And so um, I'll do that. I'll let it sit. I'll come back. I'll you know put a little X next to the ones I like. I'll maybe develop them a little more. And then once I find the one, it it's eventually becomes inevitable. Like that's the one. I know what's there. I know exactly the little story I'm going to tell. I know all the little cool little things that you can't even see, but they're kind of they're in there. I know what's going to happen. Um, and then I'll just take that little pencil sketch. I'll blow it up a little bit and I'll develop it um, into a sketch. Uh, and this is the thing I'm going to show to the band. And I like to make a sketch. It's real loose. Um, it's not like um, there's no detail or anything like that, but the composition's there. The colors are there. That's very important to me to show the colors in the sketch. I know some people generally just do a black and white sketch, which is fine. But for me, um, I need to have everything kind of decided from the beginning. And uh, so that basically when I show this to the band, it has to, they have to have a clear idea of like, what's the poster going to look like. So if the poster, if the finished poster was on their wall, they just kind of squinted their eyes, you know, from far away. That's what my sketch looks like, you know? So it's, it's, it's the thing. It's just not, not finished, you know? Um, and that's what I send to the band. And usually when I send that, I also um, write my story. Uh, so that's the, like, I'll, I'll write a paragraph or two that tells the story. Like, okay, here's what's happening. I know you can see what's happening, but there's more. There's, there's stuff going on underneath. Here's the characters. Here's where they came from. Here's the thing. And I kind of write it in a, kind of uh, in a, the way, like, children's books read. You know, like, it, it's not it's not heady, it's not like detailed or anything like that. It's just more fantastical, you know? Like yeah, whimsical. Yeah, yeah, ah. that's, that's the word. So um, so I'll present it to the band like that. Um, and then it's, you know, it goes different ways. Sometimes they're like, yeah, that's awesome. Go for it, you know, or could we change this? Or, you know, maybe this thing needs to move or, oh, I forgot to tell you, we need to add this part to it fine, you know, whatever. Because when it's at this stage, it's easy for me to make changes. So if there's a change needed, um, yeah, I could just run it off real quick, send it again. Okay, you know, if we do it twice, that would be the most, you know, basically. Um, and then once we're all cool, like, okay, we're good, like this is approved. And then I just take that sketch and I blow it up and I just start to develop it. So, um, and that that's what takes the time. So all the, like the feeling and the concept and the, um, just the vibe and the story, it all happens in the like super rough stuff. Like that's, that's where all the, like all the real like essence of it is. And then once that's cool with everybody, um, now it's just the technique. Now I'm just bringing it to life. You know, I'm, I'm making it look really cool, but Everything should be there. I'm not going to add anything later on that's going to uh, change it at all. Or like, you know, maybe there might be some details that kind of accentuate the things that are already there, but everything's already there in this little little baby sketch kind of thing. Um, so yeah, the development is just, it's technical um, to, for, for lack of a better way to say it. So like if, uh, if there's a lot of perspective 
Um, I got to build my grids, you know, make sure all my perspective is correct and make sure, you know, where's my camera? How am I going to do all this, you know? And then like, okay, the characters, what's the anatomy? What's their gesture? How's it going to look? What's their face going to look like? You know, all that kind of stuff. And then just building it, building it, building it, drawing it over and over and over and over, you know, just like each time making it a little more what it's going to be. Um, when it's done, uh, when the artwork is done, I'll send it to the band uh, for final approval. Um, and again, there it might be like, could we make the band name bigger or um, could we change, uh, you know, I don't know, we have to add something else for the venue or, you know, something like that, like usually tiny stuff. Um, and then from there, uh, then it's printing. So then it's, it's a matter of printing. Most of the stuff I do, especially all the stuff I do for bands is all screen printed. Um, and nowadays it's weird. Um, I, I always printed everything myself um, until I got kind of um, hooked up with a lot of the bigger bands and they, you know, they order like hundreds, sometimes thousands of posters mm -hmm. and I print everything by hand and that's just impossible. Like, you know, I'd be dead, you know, so um, like literally though. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I outsource, uh, I, there's a printer in um, Columbia, South Carolina, uh, the half and half, and they're amazing and they're great people. They're so nice. And we've been working together well enough where we, we know each other like in creatively. So, um, you know, my colors kind of have a language and they understand what I'm saying when I'm trying to like speak with these colors and these types of things. So, um, which is great. Um, so one way or another, depending on like how big the project is, either I'm going to send it out to a printer, which means I have to kind of prep the files in a very specific way. Um, but since I'm a printer myself, I'm, I'm setting them up the same way I would set them up for myself, um, just with a little more information because I'm not going to be there. Or, uh, or I'm printing it myself and then I'm downstairs in my shop and just going through the process of screen printing, which is uh, quite an ordeal. Um, and then uh, once the prints are done, signing and numbering, gotta pack them, ship them, uh, make sure the shipment gets there in time, you know, which is a big, it's a big part. Like, you know, there's so many like, uh, there's so much creative stuff to making a poster. There's also so much clerical stuff to making a poster. There's so much clerical stuff to everything I do. It's like, um, you know, I wouldn't trade my job for anything, but um, I probably do a lot less drawing than you think I do. And a lot more like just emails and invoices and, you know, researching this or, you know, just mm -hmm. busy work, just running you know, the business, like, uh, typing and clicking. And, and it's like, there's so mm -hmm. much of that. And um, so, you know, uh, it's fine. It's no part of the game. So, um, and then uh, posters get to the show, make sure that they're there, obviously, and uh, everything's safe and sound. Um, and then um, once that's done, then I have my my personal drop usually, you know, then uh, after the show, depending on how it works out, uh, you know, I'll announce my release. And then, um, and then that's it. And once that's done, the poster is done, like the cycle is done for that poster. 
and moving on to the next thing. And and I like the fact that like they're all limited. You know, the whole idea of these is that they're limited editions. You know. Um, which is cool for many reasons, but one of them is that when it's over, it's over. That thing now has an end date. I've I've made I have some prints that I make that are you know open editions, like more art prints type of thing, and they live forever and they have a different feeling to them because they they feel more eternal, you know, and they're just kind of constantly moving. Um, but I reserve the right to hate them and and discontinue them and just be like nah they suck now and like i don't want to make those anymore whereas like the posters like it's it's a stuck in time it's a moment stuck in time which mm -hmm. i love like i love i'm i'm a very sentimental person so it just it uh it accentuates the sentimentality of of everything like mm -hmm. for me um when i go back and i look at a poster I can remember like what I was listening to on the radio when I was drawing that tree in the left corner. You know what I mean? And yeah, that's incredible. There's a feeling there, and it lives inside that poster, and it's done. It, I, it's, 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 it's over. Like it had its thing, and that's the beauty of of moments in time is that they, you know, we pine for them, but um, they wouldn't be special if we could keep repeating them you know so yeah. it's sort of like it, it you know it's a double-edged sword but um that's kind of the beauty of uh these posters so that's the that's the kind of short i don't know if that's a short, short explanation of the process but you know it's basically scheduling then sketching then uh, presenting a sketch then making the final then printing shipping and then uh release and then it's uh then it's over and then it's on to the to the next one and of course there's multiple ones going on at the same time obviously so yeah there's like something that's in whatever stage of development at, at the same time type of thing. right so, yeah. that's very cool so how many
So that's everything I have for this week's episode. Thank you again to Robbie for your time. It was such a pleasure. There are a bunch of links in the show notes where you can binge on past episodes, book your own conversation, and be a guest on the show. Subscribe to the show's YouTube channel where you can snag some official merch from the Dropped Among This Crowd Etsy store, where you can find all the information about subscribing to Conduit Magazine and a ton more, so make sure you check all of that out. Thank you again for joining me. I'll see you around these parts next week. Mad love.